You're listening to the Keys to Success podcast. I'm Caroline Johnston, founder and CEO of Caroline Star Ventures, a consulting and coaching company focused on developing international businesses and interpersonal relationships. Here at Caroline Star Ventures, we believe storytelling is one of the best ways to learn from leaders in our communities. On this podcast, you'll hear from experts across the business world, including myself. As a multilinguist and international business leader with over 15 years experience developing sales and marketing strategies for success, I know how important engaging with people and communicating across cultural lines is. Here we'll show you the importance of leadership coaching, how to grow small to medium-sized enterprises, and how to develop team and community building within your own organizations. As we learn together from industry experts, please feel free to reach out to us at Caroline Star Ventures for coaching or consultant services at info at carolinesaraventures.com. For now, let's give a listen to what our guest today has to say about their keys to success. Hi, everyone. We have David Kyle here with us today, a career advisor and startup consultant uh, based in in Washington, D.C. We're really pleased to have you here today, David. And I'm pleased to be here. So David is a business leader with over 40 years of international experience building and managing startups and new ventures in the U.S. and emerging markets. He's done an extensive amount of work internationally and building social enterprises. And we are so happy to have him guide us in our business startup. So, David, I'll let you talk a little bit more about your background. Well, so just very quickly, I had a really normal suburban upbringing outside of New York City until I was 10. And at that point, my parents decided to move outside the United States. So I spent the rest of my sort of early years growing up in France, Puerto Rico, El Salvador, Colombia, and Mexico. And then that sort of launched me on my own international career and international work. So I worked subsequently with Citibank in Brazil, Hong Kong, Saudi Arabia, Portugal, and the UK. And that's just relevant, I think, because it gave me international credentials, just an understanding how to get things done in different cultures. But it also helped me learn the skills of adapting to new cultures and new circumstances and hearing what people had to say without prejudging them too much. So that sort of led to an international career with Citibank. The last 19 years, I've been involved with social enterprise in the United States and India and East Africa in particular, which are the sort of the hubs for social enterprise development in the developing world. And I like to work with people who are trying to do things that are hard. This is not easy stuff. You really need to be determined to make things work and succeed. You have to invite adversity, not that you like it, but you have to overcome these obstacles because they're going to be there in one form or another. And you just need to be prepared and and find excitement in overcoming them. There are times when the circumstances in your life, for example, if you're starting a specific project, Having someone who has experience with that project, that type of project, is very helpful. In a more general sense, 
you know, a good career advisor listens to what that person is saying and where they think they want to go. Because your goal is not to change people's minds, it's to help them see themselves and their path with fresh eyes, with the perspective of someone who's trying to help them see where they're going. And it's particularly important to be able to say, I can't help you, right? There are circumstances in which I really don't add much value. So the initial discussion is really getting to know somebody. Is there personal compatibility? At times, people think they want advice, but they don't really want to hear it. And if they're going to push back whenever you say something, then maybe that's not the right chemical combination. But a good relationship tends to be pretty intense in the first few months. And then as the person gains confidence and gets their own momentum, the contact becomes less frequent. But I've been advising one young woman since 2006 because she's done a good job of keeping me involved, keeping me aware of what she's doing. I like to help. If I can be of use to help people have impact in the world, that's my goal. I know you do that phenomenally well. I would also like to know a little bit more about your involvement with social entrepreneurs and how to grow in social entrepreneurship. So I had the good fortune to be involved with Acumen Fund, which is one of the sort of leading and early impact investors in the world. And that was important just because I was, you know, Jacqueline Novogratz is a very inspiring, inspired leader. So I learned a lot from working with her. But it also motivated me to look at problems that interested me and to see if I could bring my business skills and banking experience to help launch my own companies. If you could speak into your experience internationally and working with these different cultures, why was that? And then maybe a couple of keys for an international business owner. Well, I would say that one important element of giving people good advice is really encouraging them to do what they do best. It really calls for being able to get a good understanding of what people's strengths are. People can't all of a sudden become a salesperson if they don't have some basic skills in sales, right? And sometimes people have skills that are staring them in the face and just don't realize it. This is true with technology and millennials. Millennials tend to just have a natural experience like riding a bicycle when it comes to technology, which older generations don't have. And they just don't often see how valuable that problem-solving skill with technology is applicable. And there are other examples. But the point I'm trying to make is, at the end of the day, what you're trying to do with someone is encourage them that they can do it. Because you can't be there all the time. You meet periodically. And then this is across cultures, injecting people with the encouragement and belief that they can figure out their problems is sort of central to the relationship. Yeah, we at CSV love that and and really believe that self-awareness, when people reach a point of self-awareness or focus on their strengths, that they can get much further rather than trying to do something that they're not really passionate or gifted in. So it makes sense. Could you tell us about how to build an effective marketing strategy or what have you seen over your career that works? for companies that have had success? 
Well, the most important step in building a business is making sure that what you think is your target market really has an appetite for the good or service that you're providing. So it's one thing to have a great idea. It's another thing to be able to offer a product or a service that fits people's needs. During this time of crisis and corona pandemic, what would you advise on companies to do and how would you encourage them to adapt? So that's a great question. You know, it's not possible to anticipate every risk that could come along, right? But what's important in business is to constantly be aware of the risks to your success. So your posture is sort of, uh, to use a sports analogy, that you're on the balls of your feet, ready for the unexpected. You don't know what's going to go wrong. Usually it's more traditional business problems like not getting paid by customers. People don't want to buy your product. Maybe you're starting to sell in the wrong region. But the curveballs and the surprises, such as the virus, you can't anticipate the specific issues, but you can have a culture in your company with your team that says, what could go wrong? You're prepared to react and not sort of sitting staring out the window, wondering what to do, right? You've already got your muscles are trained to discuss with your team what the problem is, try to understand from outsiders more color on the problem if that's necessary, so that you're practicing your rapid response skills over the year, not just when a crisis hits. Sure, and to always have contingency plan or something as backup to fall back on. Well, so let me give you an example. For the school finance company I started in India, what we were concerned about initially, because none of the school owners had ever borrowed money or had bank accounts, that they would be completely lost when it came to dealing with the details of a loan. So what we ended up doing is bulking up our collections team so that we would be able to go out and explain things to school owners. We'd be able to remind them when payments were coming due and help them learn and figure out the ropes along the way. But what happened was payments were religiously made on time because school owners realized that we were the goose that laid golden eggs. They couldn't believe that we were lending them money to expand (laughs) their schools and they didn't want to let go of that opportunity. What happened that was negative was that the traffic in Hyderabad, where we launched, was so bad that our assumptions about loan officer productivity were way off. So we accommodated in our business planning that we thought was the major risk of non-payment, which turned out to not be a big deal because we anticipated it. And what we were surprised by was the traffic was so bad that loan officers could only visit two schools a day, not six, which had been our assumption. And the team was prepared for it because we met monthly to discuss risks that the team saw in where we thought we were headed. So they were not surprised. Look what's happening. People were quick to surface examples of where we were slowing down or taking advantage of circumstances. That's so interesting. Could you share an example with us about a time in your life that you've had to display resilience or where you've really had to change your direction in a certain business? 
so at one point I spent almost 20 years working outside the United States with Citibank. This is really where my main business experience came from early in my career. And all of these assignments were overseas. They were, I described, I mentioned them earlier, started with Brazil, ended up in the UK. The skills that I was bringing to the party were intercultural skills, right? Being able to get an American business culture, which is based on responsibility and goals, to work in cultures where the path to success was through connections, it was through family, it was through other factors than performance, right? And that challenge of getting a goal-focused business strategy to work in Saudi Arabia was incredibly difficult, but we managed to get most of it done. And that intercultural skill just wasn't called on when I moved back to the United States. At the end of this time with Citibank, I was very unhappy. I was very stressed because I had three daughters who were just about to start high school, one after another, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, and I was lost. And then 9-11 happened, and I realized, oh, things could be so much worse, right? And I, so I quit Citibank. Right away, I felt better. <laughs> That's not going to solve the 73 girls to college, but at least I, it took a load off my mind. But th this is the part of learning that you go through in life at different stages. And that problem may sound trivial to someone who hasn't lived it, but at the time it was awful. I was sleepless, right? But you live and learn. And I think this is dealing with that kind of adversity helps you be a better advisor to other people starting earlier in their careers. It definitely is a great example of how you live it yourself so other people can resonate with you. And it's a great risk to take an example. And you've made it work in the end, ultimately. I also was thinking about your experience in Brazil and how did that help you actually speak in the language? Was that, was that useful that you speak fluent Portuguese? Well, Brazil is one of those countries where, similar to the United States, in the sense that people don't speak second languages very often. I mean, in the U.S., Spanish is very common, but that's mostly because we have a large Hispanic population, right? And so Brazil, if you don't speak Portuguese, you're really lost because not many Brazilians speak English. And it's really part of the when in Rome, do as the Romans do for any native of a country. You don't want to hear foreigners complain about your country. It's not a very smart thing to do. Obviously, not everything is happy, but you know there are things about different cultures that can drive you crazy, but there are also things that are wonderful, right? And I think, you know, having been lucky to have lived in 13 countries outside the United States, I've just gained a lot of acceptance. And there are sometimes there are questions and things that happen that you just can't answer, right? It's just different. And you just have to sort of accept it. But what natives of a country want from a foreigner who's living there is they want them to appreciate the opportunity to live in that country and to keep their complaints to themselves unless they're asked to say what bothers you. What was your favorite country that you lived in and what did you learn? I was lucky to live in Brazil in my 20s. Brazil is a young place, and it's built for young people to have fun. Right after living five years in Brazil and having two of my daughters, we moved to Hong Kong, which is 
about as far away from Brazilian culture as you can get. On my first day of work, which was a Friday, just after I'd arrived, I said, well, to my boss, I'll see you on Monday. And he said, no, no, we work on Saturdays. So it's a six-day work week in Hong Kong, right? And that was a wake-up call for someone who was used to having Friday lunches in Rio on the beach, you know, just a much different culture. So I was lucky in either rolling, my father calls it rolling with, I rolled with the punches or adapted and learned along the way. The important thing is to communicate. That's definitely what I've noticed when I was learning French and Spanish when I was younger, that they love that you try and that they'll, they'll step in to help you. And they appreciate that much more than you waltzing in and, and talking English and expecting them to learn English. So that's well, something... I mean, as a Northern Irelander, you probably appreciate the effort Americans make to speak English. Yeah, they think my first language is Irish often. (laughs) And just one last question is, what advice would you give to a business leader in this time? Well, this is more of general advice, but I think that where people need to be encouraged is to take risks in life. You have one crack at this adventure, right? And you don't want to look back and wish that you had taken a different road. You're going to have those regrets, but you don't want to be so stuck in your ways that you don't take chances. Because if you don't learn to embrace change and to bet on yourself, then you're not going to get practice. Like in anything in life, it takes practice to take risks and make it work. But the most gratifying things I've done in my career were because I took the risk. I took the chances. You know, Citibank hired me not because I had any business experience, because at the time I had zero. I'd never taken a business course, but I spoke fluent Portuguese, which is why they hired me. What they said was, it's easier to train you to be a banker than to train an MBA to get things done in Brazil. I did not realize what that meant in terms of taking a bet on myself. You know, a crash course in learning accounting, learning finance, all the background of business, I had to figure out on my own to be functional in that job. Fantastic. And you did intercultural studies. So that's interesting how you really grew in that. I mean, your whole life has been interacting with different cultures. So it becomes addictive, right? Just the opportunity to travel. I mean, this is where the virus is going to change life for all of us, because international travel is going to be more complicated for quite a while. We have loved having you here today. And thank you for your time. Thank you for what you've added to Caroline's Our Adventures and all the great advice and work you do to help us be successful. And if anyone is interested in getting solid career advice or to have a phenomenal consultant, for their business startup or social enterprise, you can contact us and put you in contact with David. That sounds great. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Keys to Success podcast with me, your host, Caroline Johnston. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us and make sure to stay updated on all we're doing on our website or social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Caroline Sarah Ventures and on Twitter at Caroline Sarah V. We hope you've enjoyed this episode 
and that you'll join us next time as we take a look at our next guest, Keys to Success. Take care.